There are over 7 billion books being written every day. Everyone has a truly unique story to tell. This is their platform. Welcome to the Shadows Podcast with Bodhi and Batista. All right, so I want to welcome everybody to episode two of Shadows Podcast. I'm your host, Trip Bodenheimer, and I'm being joined today by my co-host, Jonathan, don't call me Dave Batista. Batista, what's going on, buddy? Hey, how's it going? It's over here in Las Vegas, excited to meet Shantae McMillan. We're extremely excited, just like Batista said. Uh, we have a very, very special guest. I cannot thank her enough. She did not have to take time out of her super busy schedule to spend it with us, but she's gracious enough to do so. I think that says a lot about her character. Shante McMillan, she is a alumni from Nebraska. She is an Olympian, soon to be hopefully an Olympian again. Uh, she competed on Titan Games. She is a wife. She is a mother. Ma'am, thank you very much for taking time and welcome to Shadows Podcast. Of course. Thank you for having me. And I can't wait to jump into all these crazy questions you have for me, possibly. Okay. Well, speaking of which, we're going to get started with some, <laughs> some rapid fire uh, crazy questions here, kind of as a little icebreaker. So first of all, what's your favorite superhero? Um, a big fan of Marvel. I like, I like Rogue and obviously, um, yeah, I'm just going to go with Rogue. Yeah. Okay. That's a good answer. Favorite animal? <laughs> I always like the, like out there that I would never own is a snow leopard, but personally I love dogs and I hope to have a mini farm someday with a bunch of different animals. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what my wife, she wants to do the exact same thing. She would have 400 dogs if, it, if oh, I yeah. didn't stop her. <laughs> this may be a, a crazy question to ask you. Favorite fast food? Um, so yeah, I don't eat fast food. I haven't had McDonald's since 2012 at the Olympic Village because they are a sponsor of the Olympics, <laughs> but I do enjoy eating like local cool restaurants that are like here in Alabama. We have an Indian place that we enjoy getting randomly. So just trying new foods. I like that. That makes me feel so bad. You said 2012 McDonald's <laughs> and I had McDonald's like just the other night. So I'm so proud of myself for not doing that. Like I, like 2012, that's so long ago. <laughs> you keep that going. That makes a good conversation anywhere yeah, you go. Yeah. <laughs> this next question, Batista and I are asking for, for friends of ours. Backstreet Boys are in sync. You know, I really didn't. I tried. So all my friends really liked them. And I'm just like, I don't want to be like everybody. So I didn't really like grasp on to either of them. Okay. We'll go 98 degrees then. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a 98 degrees. We'll yeah. Go with that. <laughs> um, yeah, like we were asking for friends. That was requested us on Facebook. I'd wasn't, probably wasn't... just say in sync just for kids. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> Good. Favorite athlete. Um, I, it's weird. Like both my favorite athletes are males. Um, Michael Jordan, a lot of people like look up to him, but I don't know. I grew up watching him. So that's yep. one big thing. And then Walter Payton, um, Ooh, sweetness. I, I didn't even know him. Like he died before I was even like old enough to know who he was, but his work ethic that I learned about is something that motivates me. Running the Hills. Have you ever exactly. seen that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's a really good answer. Uh, this one comes from my wife. My wife wanted to know the guilty pleasure you have. So I, I eat really well. 
but I do like sugar a lot. I really, really like sugar. Um. <laughs> you say that like such discreet, you're like, oh, I like sugar. Hey, <laughs> to admit it. And then th- this is the last one we're going to ask you. And we'll, you can answer this one at the very end. And we're totally going to put you on the spot on this one. Two truths and a lie. Now, I'll tell you why you think about it real quick. We, we did our research here. So yeah. it's, it's, it's hard to be like, <laughs> I jumped 23 feet. So Actually, I'll let you think about that one. And then at the end of the program, okay. we'll, we'll ask you that question again. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I should take notes during this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, we noticed when we were you know, doing research that your parents, both of them were active duty army for, for 20 years. What was it like growing up with a, a mill to mill family? Uh, it was awesome. I wouldn't change that experience for anything. Um, we didn't move as much as a lot of families um, had to or have to. We, they met in Germany and then I came along and we were in Fort Campbell and then moved to Texas and then Missouri. And that was the only moves I had to go through. So, but those moves made me able to adapt to new things, new situations, new friends. And I credit that for making me who I am, big part of who I am today. Um, and obviously I'm still moving, even with my own training, I moved several times um, from Nebraska to Ohio, to Florida, back to Ohio. And now with my husband in the army, now I'm moving again. So I, I feel like it's part of me and I am like, I haven't moved in two years. I need to move. <laughs> like that's part of who I am now. So we'll see if I can settle down someday. I hope to. <laughs> Do you think it was that, that uh, upbringing with both your parents being in the army to where it kind of made it a little bit easier to make those moves in your life? Yeah, it's something I enjoy really. Um, like going to college wasn't a big scary deal for me because we'd moved before and I, they gave me that confidence I think I needed to go out there, move somewhere else and do it on my own that time. Cause they had moved from like, my dad's from North Carolina, my mom's from Wisconsin. They left, like all their families are still in those two States and they're the only two who left. So like knowing that, and that taught me, I think who I am as well. Okay. And, and I noticed you said too, that you would help them with their getting ready for their PT test. Is that oh. kind of where the spark <laughs> for the athlete in you was ignited? It might have. Um, yeah, I can vividly remember doing sit-ups and push-ups with my mom in the living room in Tennessee. And, and I mean, I probably pushed her a lot, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but I was actually very shy as a kid. I didn't like being, I didn't even want to be involved in any team sports. Um, it made her buying me a pair of soccer cleats to to get me out onto the field. Like she bought them and I was like, that day that we signed up, I was like, no, I don't think I can do this. And she's like, no, I bought these shoes. So you're doing it. And that's the only reason I played team sports, like started in the fourth grade. But yeah, I, I guess that's probably part of the athletic background too. So usually when uh, you ask people, what did your parents do in the military? And they're like, uh, I think they were soldiers. Do you, know what, <laughs> do you know what your parents did in the military? Yes. My mom started out as an MP and then she became a nurse uh, getting her education through the military. And then my dad was supply. And what does your husband do, if you don't mind me? He is becoming a helicopter pilot. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, so he's looking to that. get into medevac um, from here after this. Wow. Yeah. 
That's the, that's the answer. We, I can't remember how many times I've been either sitting next to someone on a plane or I've been somewhere shopping and they're like, Oh, you're, you're a air force. You're a pilot, right? Mm-hmm, um, right. <laughs> nothing to do with it whatsoever, but yeah, you just go like, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, definitely. Thank you to him for his service. Oh, yeah. um, as well. And you for, for spouses, I think go underappreciated a lot. So yeah, it is I tough. Do a lot with them. Yep. That's I'm finding out. <laughs> So you attended high school at Rolla yep. High School yep. and you were a long jumper. You won the Missouri class four state title in 2004 and 2005. Yep. You were a high school All-American, finished third in the long jump with 19 feet, four inches at the Nike Outdoor Nationals. I, I, did. <laughs> I think if you flip that number, I could not jump that high. <laughs> uh, so very impressive. When, when did you realize in high school, like, I could do this at a collegiate level. Um, probably eighth grade, actually. Uh, we all did track and field in eighth grade, my, t- my friends and I, because soccer wasn't available for us. So I broke the high school school record in eighth grade. And so the high school track coach was like, yo, you, well, he didn't say yo, that's not something he would say, but he's like, you need to come do track and field pretty much. <laughs> so my mom and I had a long discussion before going into ninth grade and I made the decision to go the track route and all my friends went to soccer. So in high school, I just kept getting better and better. And um, mail kept just started coming into from schools across the country. And I landed on Nebraska. With all those schools, I know that's got to be kind of surreal, just getting letters. I know like Ohio State, LSU, you were getting letters from schools like that. What was it that made you settle on Lincoln, Nebraska? Yeah, it was close to home, but not too close. And then I wanted to win a Big 12 championship. They were Big 12 at the time with a a championship as a team. And then at the time, they also had one of the best uh, horizontal vertical jumps coach in the country. And that's why I was going there for long and triple jump. Okay. Is it Gary Pepin? Is that how you say it? Gary Pepin. Yeah, still coaching there right now. (laughs) Okay. Was it a natural talent that you had? Were you just like, the type of person just jump in from place to place and they're like, Hey, look at that person in the event. Like what something's missing. What, or did it take time? Did it take work? Were you like inspired by long jumping? What happened? I don't know. That's a good question. I never thought about it. I, I mean, I, I was one of the fastest, uh, I was the fastest. I'll say that I was the fastest girl that uh, my friend. So of course I could run circles on track. And then I think I just saw it and I was like, I want to go run and jump and see how far I can jump. And then, it just it was good like I didn't start triple jumping until I was a junior I believe and both of those are what people like to recruit for across the country but I also tried other other events in high school and that's how I become a became a heptathlete later on it's just having the the background in all those events but yeah I don't know I was just I guess I like being explosive and just jumping yeah I don't know (laughs) <laughs> when you broke this high school record was it like oh was it a surprise to you or did you work to break the high school record it was a surprise yeah it wasn't something I was aiming for I started my list of goals later on probably my sophomore year I think I made a sheet of paper of like all the high school records I wanted to break and have that on my wall to look at every day yeah I broke my high school record but the school was only open for like three years <laughs> I broke it my first time too and I was like whoa okay I guess I'll take it what record like hit you the, like you were like, well, I'm something. I don't think I ever had that feeling. I was just, I did, I, 
honestly, I didn't know that. I mean, in Missouri, there wasn't a lot of competition from meet to meet for me. It was just really me competing against myself throughout those four years with meeting one girl every year at state for sure. We actually ended up going to Nebraska together, but yeah, there's only competition at state for me every single year. So that's when I like once a year, I guess, is when I knew I was good. I, I don't know, good enough to be at state, obviously. But I don't know, I was just in my own, in my own like lane with my blinders on, just wanting to break my own records every year. <laughs> awesome. I don't, it just didn't seem like a big deal in high school to break the record. But that, like looking now, I'm like, that record is not going anywhere. <laughs> like 100%. <laughs> Hey, I actually have uh, my junior high record for speed walking a mile. I was the fastest still holds. <laughs> I, I don't know the last time you did Check you out. But it's pretty cool. I actually have a really good friend who was a, a race walker for the Olympics. <laughs> I, I didn't know it was called race walker, but okay. Yeah. Now, now you got a name to tell people. Now you can be like, I set the race walking speed for my high school. I'm going to change my name to Jonathan Race Walker Batista. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you mentioned... Um, heptathlon mm -hmm. for someone listening that has no idea what that is how would you describe it yeah that was I didn't even know what the heptathlon was until I got to college <laughs> <laughs> it's a two-day battle of just testing your abilities out from across the sport, events in track and fields so 100 hurdles, high jump, shot put, 200 on day one. And then day two is long jump, javelin, and the 800. Sounds how like my fun day. How, <laughs> how, how exhausting is that? I mean, you train for it all year. So you're, you're training for the endurance to get through four events the first day and, and recover and be able to do the three events the next day. So I... In the U.S., they do do it back-to-back. -back. So you do one event, and you have 30 minutes in between and so forth. And then in Europe, there's sometimes there's a bit of a challenge because they'll do two events in the morning and then two events in the evening on day one. And so you have that long gap. And so you're warming up twice a day um, over there. So that was a challenge that I did see in myself when I was doing the heptathlon. But, yeah, you train for it. You know what you're getting ready for. What, what were three things, like three things that really stood out to you that you really remember outside of the records from your time at Nebraska? I guess at Nebraska, I can look back and be really thankful for just all the friends I made and still have to this day from there. It taught me how to be a heptathlete. I, like I said, I didn't know what that was until I got to college and I was recruited for long triple jump. Did that my freshman year and then sophomore year, I was like, uh, I don't want to triple jump anymore because I had a bad injury. So let me just pick up six other events and become a heptathlete. So I learned everything about the heptathlon in those, well, in four years at Nebraska. And I credit a lot to my coach there on making me who I am. So that's the only two things that I've listed so far. <laughs> I'll say that's three. You're thankful for your coach. That was a, that was a third yeah. one. That's big. <laughs> okay. So your senior year, 2011, actually before that, the Patellar 10, was that while you were at Nebraska or after? It was that little gray period in between. Yeah. Okay. Your senior year, you were the big 12 indoor 
pentathlon and outdoor heptathlon champion. You were a first team All-American. You tied for second at the NCAA championship, setting a school record with 4,396 points. And you also helped Nebraska win a big 12 title. And you, you had a quote that I saw that, I, that for, you know, especially the environment we're in, we're all about, you know, being part of a team as opposed to that individual success. You said the difference between winning as an individual and a team, you sat in your car and cried afterwards when you won as a team, but you didn't cry when you won your individual championships. What was it that meant so much more to us team championships as opposed to the individual ones? Yeah. Um, so I was a team captain going into that um, competition and I really felt it heavy, I guess, on my shoulders, on my heart to go out there and do everything I could as just a, for everyone else to see my teammates to see and just empower them that way. So I did the pentathlon and then also long jump that day just to like help my team get as many points as possible and just encourage them that way. And then after I was done with that, I was over there running around trying to encourage everybody else in their events and, and just knowing that we were all out there giving it our all to get this done as a team is what meant something. Cause it's not like, like I said, I did my part, she did her part, she did her part, and we're all working hard for this one end goal. And that just has always meant so much more to me. I mean, I can, obviously I know what I'm capable of, but it's seeing, every, I guess it's seeing everybody else shine and, and know what they're capable of too. That was really exciting to see. So you mentioned Michael Jordan was one of your favorite athletes, right? Mm -hmm. But then we, uh, this documentary came out, mm -hmm. exposed that they had, it wasn't like the best team cohesion, a lot of headbutt, mm -hmm. headbutting and whatnot. Was it the same with you guys or did you guys have natural flow, natural cohesion? I'd say we all got along for the most part. We obviously train separately, different groups. Like you have your throws over here, different time of day. You have your multis, heptathletes and decathletes over here and sprinters, hurdlers, whatnot. So we all trained pretty separate, but we knew how to come together on those given days. And then we also off the track, we would hang out as well and obviously bond and become a team there. But like the way, I guess I can compare myself to the way Michael Jordan would kind of uh, quote, inspire his teammates to be better, <laughs> like bringing out their flaws. If if I know them well enough, like my best friend, for instance, I can tell her like, are you, are you, should you be eating that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or just helping her be better, like off the track, if she needed to focus more, not be going out to this party per se, when we have a huge track meet type of thing. So I, I don't know, I felt like a leader in just being able to inspire them by bringing, like letting them know they shouldn't be doing stuff and in a, in a mean way, sometimes like very, I'm very, I don't hide stuff. I don't sugarcoat stuff. When I'm talking to people that I love or like, I'm just straightforward and I'm like, this, this is what's happening and you need to change it. I, I was thinking more along the lines of Dwayne Johnson when you're on Titan Games, like running through there, clapping for y'all as you're doing your events. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I was, I was thinking along those lines, but yeah, that, that was an awesome story. I appreciate you, you sharing that one. You graduated from Nebraska in 2011. You majored in middle school education. I did. Yep. I had sights on being an art teacher. What about when your Olympic journey is over with? Is that something you're possibly looking at going back into? Nope. 
Nope. <laughs> I was about to say we have three teachers on here. I know. I I love teaching in other ways, but I don't think I'll ever teach in a classroom. I, I can see myself coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoy um, helping people be better that way, but I don't. I do like art. I love art. I hope to get into that again someday as well when I have more time and maybe I can teach somehow like that. But I don't know. No, I'll never teach art in the classroom at a school. What kind of art? Painting? Drawing? I like painting. Painting? Um, I like oil, but I can't. It's If you ever painted with oil, it's a big process, big setup, big cleanup, and I don't have time for that right now. I was kind of a big deal at high school. I made it all the way at the art four. Uh, which means I took art four years of my high school career. And uh, yeah, I oil painted, but I always did it at the school and never did it at the house. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. See, we're both big deals in high school, Batista. Right. So so some of your accolades, uh, you were a, did I read this right? Five-time All-American? Yeah, I was. Yeah, f- five-time <laughs> All-American. This is stuff I would like, when if you ever go out and eat fast food again, I would like introduce myself like this at the, when they're <laughs> like, what is your name? But five-time All-American, four-time Big 12 champion. You set two school records, team captain 2009, 2010, and 2011. Uh, some crazy accolades there. When was that moment where you're like, I'm going to compete. I could compete in the Olympics. Yeah, that came... I can remember this vividly too. My coach and I are on the plane coming back from USA's in 2011, I believe it was probably June. And he's like, so you want to stick around and train for the trials next year? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> Just like all nonchalant. Yeah. All right. Olympics. I, I didn't even think about it. I wasn't even looking out that far. I was just like, all right, I graduated. This was my last track meet right now. Actually, I had one more track meet in August and that's, that was all I was focused on, I guess. I didn't think a year later. <laughs> so in 2011, you blew out your patellar tendon when you were what, competing in high jump? Yep. So that was the last meet that I was talking about of that summer. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So that last one. So what happened at that? What was your mindset? Because you were already focused on the Olympics. Like walk us through what went down with that. Yeah, I honestly I don't think I was even still thinking about the Olympics then <laughs> I was just still being like a kid I, I don't know high jump I went to plant and go up and then I just crashed on the pit in pain and I had no idea what happened and I calmed down immediately well I was like screaming and then I was like wait calm down it's, this is dramatic and then I walked off the pit all the way across the infield to the other end and was in the tent for a while I'm like with a PT person, a acupuncture lady. And I'm like, you have to get this working again. I have to get it back out there to shot put. (laughs) And my quad was not firing at all. So I ended up, I'm like, okay, I guess this meets over for me. I'll just get ready for the next one. And then my knee is just like buckling. I I kept walking on this thing for a couple days. (laughs) Like I had no idea what happened. (laughs) And I was out in the middle of California and finally I made it back to, uh, to Nebraska got my MRI and my PT there is like so it's not your ACL but it's your patellar tendon <laughs> I was like oh okay I don't know what that means and still um yeah I I wasn't worried about it I was just like all right injury gotta get 
surgery and then rehab and then get back out there. That's, that was all I saw really. This next part is what I think is just absolutely mind blowing to me. Uh, I was telling you before I came on here, you know, I, I like pull a muscle in my back and I have a tough time doing cardio for, for nine months, but you rehabbed for six months after surgery and rehabilitation. You were in Pittsburgh and then you went to Dayton. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that where you met your husband? Yes. Yes. Eventually the second time around in Dayton. <laughs> okay. So you went to Dayton, you were a volunteer assistant coach for the Dayton Flyers as well. It was. Yeah. How was that experience? It was fun. Um, like I said, I, I probably will coach someday in some form. So it was nice just being around. I, I just love helping athletes be, be better and see, like feel the movements through track and field in different technical aspects. So it's, it was cute, I guess, at times. So like see them do it wrong, give them advice and then see them correct it. I'm just like, yay. <laughs> yeah, you'll be a coach. <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be a coach so nine months after your injury you competed at the olympic trials in in eugene oregon you not only did you compete but you set a personal best in five of the seven events yeah. coming off of a patellar tendon injury you set a personal best in five out of seven events and then you qualified for the olympics take us from that moment where you walk off and you're like okay i'm I, I think I've hurt my leg to <laughs> now you go to the Olympic trials. Yeah. So I guess through that summer before I got hurt, I was already talking to a new coach. He was coaching the best heptathlete in the States at the time, um, Hylees Fountain. And I was like, why wouldn't I want to go train with the best heptathlete in the nation? So I was set on that. And then that was in Ohio and then hurt my leg. And he recommended I went to Pittsburgh. And so I was like, all right, I'm doing that. That's what you said. So just picked up everything, moved to Pittsburgh. And I trusted my PT, this guy I just met, I trusted everything with him. And we worked together like six months. And every single day, I just did what he prescribed. And, and that's it. Like if I, I don't remember myself thinking any different at, at any moment, like thinking like this wasn't gonna work or this wasn't going to get us to the Olympic trials. I was just like, yeah, I, this is working. I trust you. And then I've mentioned this before. I, I remember one time really breaking down. I, like I couldn't progress to the next exercise. Like I wanted like that he wrote down for me and I was super upset, upset, started crying. And he talked to me and was like, look, we're going to have days like this, but just back up, go to, we'll do yesterday. And then we'll progress to this step another day. And I was like, okay, you're right. But yeah, it all worked out. Got on the track uh, after I worked with him and I was on the track for four months with my coach in Ohio. And I don't know. I remember the first day that they, like both of them let me run. <laughs> and I was like, how's it look? He's like, we got some work to do. <laughs> but we did it. Um, made it to the Olympic trials and like I had nothing to lose. That's the attitude I went in with. So just that let me leave it all out there in every single event. And, and it worked. <laughs> what, what was wrong with you with your run? Were you running the wrong way or something? <laughs> I was limping. <laughs> like I wasn't fully using my quad. I wasn't using my quad really. <laughs> so you find out that you're going to, to London for the Olympics. I, rem- I remember watching that 
Olympic ceremony, which I think is really cool about having you on here right now. But I remember watching that. What's going through your mind when you're wearing the red, white, and blue and you're walking out there at Olympic Stadium for those incredible Olympic ceremonies? What was that like? Um, I think I was, I told myself like, this is happening. Like this is really happening. And I, I really just wanted to be in the moment throughout the whole thing. And I, I was looking all around, taking in every, everything, flashing lights of the people around me. And like, I have chills talking about it, (laughs) but like one thing I remember is connecting with people in the audience who were like waving our flag and just making eye contact with them like, yes, I'm representing our country and here you are with our flag. And it was amazing. Yeah, I tried to, um, I stood by, who did I stand by? I'm pretty sure it was Kobe throughout the, when we walked in just so I could get TV time and it worked. (laughs) That's the right person to stand by. I know. (laughs) That was, that's super cool. And you got the, you got the Olympic rings. I do. Yeah, Yeah, that's, See it every day. I would have done the exact same thing. Yeah. I, I probably would have put it on my neck or something. I would have been, <laughs> I, let everybody know. <laughs> That's gangster. I don't think I could have a neck tattoo. So, my husband won't let me. <laughs> you, so you, you, you go, you may go back to Tokyo. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, so you finished uh, 20 night in the heptathlon and you yeah. said, I was there. That was my experience. I left there happy, but still hungry. And then you also had the flu. Mm-hmm. as well as i saw in titan games when when uh you were not successful on there so i'm imagining like oh my god what would your mindset be uh you know w- were you just happy to be there did that kind of ignite the flame for you to eventually go back i i knew i knew i wasn't gonna meddle but i still went in and i was i was working my hardest to do my best there and then like i said in europe they break it up the events are broken up. Um, so that day it was long jump javelin in the morning and then we had a long break and the 800 was in the evening. So I went back to the village, took a nap because I was like, what are all the other elite heptathletes doing? Okay, they're taking naps. I'm gonna take a nap. Like I've never taken a nap in between events ever before, but I had no idea what I was doing. So that's what I did. And I woke up freezing, my head was pounding. I had no idea what to do. I was just like, all right, get on the bus, get back to the track. Like I'm a hot mess. And I can't, I couldn't communicate with my coach because that was that this is my first international meet. I've never done this before. We were communicating through WhatsApp and most of the time we didn't have internet connection. So I had no idea how to communicate to him that I was sick and I'm going to go, but I have no idea how I'm going to get through this. And even when I was warming up, like every step I took when I was jogging, my head was just like pounding, pounding, pounding. I was like, all right, you just got to finish your the heptathlon at the Olympics. So there's a picture of me on the internet, just like standing on the line, like looking like death. And I know what's going on. Like no one else looks at the picture and is like, oh, she looks like death. She must be sick. But I know <laughs> that's that picture. And I, I mean, I went out just stupid fast in the 800 and ended up dying. And then, I, I don't know, my shin, I ended up getting a stress fracture in my shin too. And I mean, me saying all of this, like I was sick and I have a stress fracture. That just really sounds like a bunch of excuses from myself. And I hate saying this, but those are the things. And I left there just ready to get 
back out there and train to make it to the next one and do better. So, yeah. You finished the Olympics. You got that amazing experience under your belt. And I, ha- I have to ask you this as like a, as a dad. So one of the next things was the, the ESPN body issue. If Becton or Felicity were like, Hey dad, I'm going to be on the, the body issue. I'd be like, yeah. wait, what? How did that conversation go with your dad when you pitched that to him? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know it was a real opportunity at first. I got an email. I was like, what? This is real. <laughs> I called my best friend first and we were freaked out together and we're excited. And I was like, okay, now call your parents. And so I called them. This is all before responding to the email. But yeah, I felt like they were okay with it from the beginning. Like I wanted their permission to go out and do it. And of course, with my art background, that's how I saw it, just like an art opportunity. And then it was funny afterwards, the magazines got printed and they sent the box to uh, my house in my parents' house. So I was like, go ahead, open it. (laughs) And so my dad opened it and I was like, what do you think? He's like, there you are, all of you. (laughs) So I don't don't know. That's all I know. (laughs) I think Batista and I are going to start sending some emails to ESPN. I could be on there for Art 4 and he could be on there for Speedwalker. (laughs) Um, So maybe maybe next year. It was out of desert. It looks like I'm looking at it right it now. It was, yeah. Where we um, they flew me out San Diego, and then we drove two hours back east into the sand dunes. Yeah, yeah these these pictures are epic. Did you do a backflip in one of them? Yeah, they set up a trampoline, and I was just doing flip after flip just to get that shot. It was fun. I mean, it the trampoline got super hot, the sand was super hot, but it worked out. <laughs> Which one's your favorite one? Um, I'm probably just gonna be biased and go with the one that made the cover yeah those are cool yeah javelin ended up obviously being my favorite event out of the seven (laughs) so after after that and and i talked to you before we came on here about this so i lost my father 1993 It, it was you know 20 some years ago that i lost my dad i was 11 years old i did an article on my dad called um unwritten influence on the llama lounge page and i was talking about what he meant to me i haven't talked to him in 20 some years but i still remember so much of what he taught me in the little amount of time I had. And uh, unfortunately, you had lost your father in 2015. I read the Love Dad piece that you wrote in the Dayton Daily News. What is it that you have, you carry with you to this day that a reminder of him day in and day out, that his legacy still lives with you? Yeah, I guess looking back, well, he was a hard worker. And that's something that I continue to try to do to make him proud and I know he's watching I I feel that all the time I'm and that's why I'm still doing this is because I one I feel like I have a lot of athletic talents to to still expend and so as long as I'm doing this I'm gonna make him proud and remember his work ethic while I'm doing this and and know that like if he was in the stands like well I'm just going to say he's going to be in stands at everything I do. And that's one of my motivators is like knowing that he's there, he knows that I'm going to do my best in that moment. So I need to continue to make him proud and leave it all out there because that's how, that's how he would want it. That's how he went about everything that he did um, from just cutting grass to maintaining our house to, to being in the military, like everything I saw him do was just always like top notch to me. And, and I just want to 
be like that really like your your resume and and even you know for people that follow you on Instagram and see how dedicated you are to family I think you're definitely living living up to that and, and making him proud with with who you are today so thank you for for opening up with that yeah well with this podcast you know we talk not just about the the glamorous moments of people's careers but kind of those dark the low points in their career between losing your dad and then not qualifying in, in 2016 like what was your mindset at that point from everything that you had been through um so august 2015 he passed away unexpectedly and i was in the midst of still training i had one more track meet that i was going to go to in september i think yeah the end of september so i took i took a month off and then i called my coach and i stated I was ready to go and he was I think he was very surprised actually um he had lost his dad a couple years earlier so he was there for me in that way as well so but he understood me and he gave me my workouts and got me going again because that's that's what I needed that really helped me so training I went to that meet it was fine it wasn't anything special but I was there I got through it and then training for 2016 was happening and made it to trials, had the best score of my life in the heptathlon. Uh, I got fifth there, so I didn't make the team. So I left there really proud. I had a, I had, I held my head up high and I was fine. I was really fine. Then my coach came and hugged me. He's like, your dad would have been proud. And then I just broke down crying. <laughs> And if anybody was around, they're probably like, oh, she must be really sad. She didn't make the team. I was like, that's not it at all. <laughs> so I, yeah, I was fine with everything that happened at trials. Then I had another, I had two more track meets after that meet. By then I was getting to the point where I was like, I think I'm done with the heptathlon. Those last two meets didn't really, they, the, the middle one was fun, I guess. And, and then the last one, I was just like, no, nope, I think I'm done. That was, that was it for the heptathlon. And then I, I guess after that, I almost felt maybe even after 2012 to, to even now, it's been a big journey of not really feeling proud of being just, just being an Olympian because everybody always asks you like, oh, did you win? Oh, did you get a medal? It's like, no, but I'm an Olympian. Like you don't know what small percent of America or of anybody in this world are Olympians. Like it's a very big accomplishment. No, I don't have a medal, but I'm still an Olympian. It's that mentality that me and other friends of mine have to deal with. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm finally there just knowing that, Hey, as long as I'm going out and giving all of my, all that I have and expending all my talents in this javelin now that's that's all that matters and as long as I'm happy doing this then we're good like you should be super proud that you're an Olympian and still training to be a two-time Olympian your name is still in the books as an Olympian regardless yeah. and yeah. I never really thought about it like that though because to me like yeah I, I grew up playing sports mm -hmm. um I've, I've played sports my whole life and if, if I were to make it to that level, I'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm an Olympian, but I never thought about people being like, did you medal? Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, so that just being there is a, is a huge honor. But after that, so you, you married your, your husband, uh, you have a son, Otto, was born in, in what, October of 2018? Yep. He was on Titan Games in the crowd with you. He's, he's in a lot of your Instagram videos. <laughs> I think the one I liked was when you were throwing the medicine ball and, it, and fast forward and him just yeah. sitting there looking back and forth. <laughs> Explain what those two mean to you and your life and where you're at today. Yeah. Yeah, we had got married, have a son. My life has evolved into different things that I have to take care of more. So, <laughs> how, old um, your son? how old's your son? He's two now. Yeah. So, it's just become a, I have to balance more and schedule more. And that's a, it's really hard. And it's not something that just stays the same because his schedule is so different all the time with the, being in the military. So for me, I did get lost for a minute in his schedule. And I was like, okay, I just work around his schedule, but that I wasn't getting things done for me. And I only have this short window with my age and, and the Olympics only being once every four years. So <clears throat> I had to step back and be like, all right, look, this is what you need to do. You can do this while he's doing his goals too. Like you guys have to, I mean, just every day is, every day is different. Every day is coming up with how I'm going to get everything I need to get done, how he's going to get everything he needs to get done and how we're going to take care of our son together as well. But they're both amazing. He, my husband is very supportive of what I want to do and vice versa. I think it's stinking amazing. He's flying helicopters. (laughs) And then I just hope my son can just, I don't know what he's going to remember from this age, probably not a lot, but he's obviously going to be able to look back and see himself on the Titan games. And I just hope he can see how amazing both of us are and how hard we're both working. Batista, her, her son has met the rock and you have yet to meet him. I'm just throwing that out there to you. So you're in the terrific twos then. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in there too. My son Ezekiel is in the terrific twos as well. That's awesome. Yeah. It, I mean, it's fun watching them grow and, and learn their little personalities and combat their, their aggressive twos. <laughs> it's been, uh, especially with this whole pandemic, I, you know, I had to watch them for the first three months of it. Oh yeah. man, I, res- I respect every caregiver, every babysitter that's out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's all happened. I've been slapped. I've been spit on. I've, been, <laughs> I've had every emotion and uh, <laughs> yeah. I've shared every emotion with them. And then we have to put on the Sesame Street and then watch the emotion shows together. <laughs> so, well, that, that's a good question. What's the one song that, because mine was like Mickey Mouse Clubhouse for X amount of years. What, what is that song that if, if you never hear it again from oh, having to play it for I don't think we have those yet. Really? I don't know. There's some, we'll play some cartoons that have some weird songs. And I'm like, I'll, I'll hum it for the first like few I guess times it plays and then I'm just like, okay, it's time to shut that off. Just shut it off. I don't, I don't know though. We don't, we don't have a song yet. Well, he, he um, also tr- goes training with you and stuff. I just plop mine in front of a TV. So I yeah. guess that's the Olympics, <laughs> Olympian you know, athlete difference. I like compare him to my dogs. I'm like, we got to take him out to run around and get some energy out. <laughs> and I'm like, give mine some Count Chocula and, and put Mickey Mouse Clubhouse on. <laughs> I've been singing Hush Little Baby the last three weeks every night to him. Then he sings it to me 
and then I just start crying like a little baby. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> we'll do patty cake at night and it's fun to see him do little signs with it. Yeah. <laughs> How like Americana are, are you and your husband? One is a pilot in the army and you represent us in the Olympics. It's too um, much. <laughs> yeah. You can't really get a whole lot better than that. So. Yeah. Hopefully um, that's a really good story. <laughs> exactly. Hopefully it has like gold medalists like at the, yeah, the end yeah. of that as well. <laughs> the next thing that we want to talk about, I- I'm actually really excited um, to talk about this one, Titan Games. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got Titan Games. They, uh, You were able to compete on season two. It just recently came on. It's still on Hulu. Uh, what was the selection process like to, to get picked up for Titan Games? I think it was it varied from person to person. I got an Instagram message that invited me out. Uh, I didn't think that was real either. And then I got an email following up. Um, so I knew it was legit. And then I did a little Skype interview and I passed that and then got invited to a combine the middle of January out in LA and then passed that and got a call and said I was invited to the show. Did The Rock, was he the one, excuse me, Dwayne, was he the one doing the interviews or? No, 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 no. <laughs> you, you got to meet him once you got the, the Titan. Once we got there and we were there for a couple of days and yeah, we didn't know when we were going to meet him, but he surprised us one day. So I, I actually met him a couple of times when I was younger. Hmm. Um, he probably doesn't remember, but we, <laughs> we met twice and Batista has sent him numerous Instagram messages and he hasn't. <laughs> Um, responded but I, I still think it's cool that your, your son has that that experience of yeah shaves his head <laughs> yeah Michael Jordan and Dwayne Johnson yeah. shaved their head. I'm good enough to do it but I do message him like every chance I get if, if <laughs> and uh, I do I really do and then uh, I didn't realize he has 200 million followers so I'm probably on the wait list yeah yeah like, to me like I said he probably doesn't remember me but I have pictures Dana him, White. So. <laughs> him and Dana White are the only celebrities I message on Instagram <laughs> Sorry, Ma- maybe one day they'll, they'll hear one of our episodes and the, the rock yeah. a bit maybe I need to go through my Instagram messages yeah. <laughs> so you got selected what 18 out of 100 women that went there what what did y'all have to do um, they put us through a bunch of different physical tests. Um, we had a deadlift and then we had to hang for as long as we could to just test out our grip strength. They had some little obstacle courses set up just to see us balance and our speed. And then they also had one course set up that was actually kind of similar to the one where I swung and kicked those things. Did that. And then they also had us run a 40. So just different physical things. What would you say was like the biggest difference endurance wise from the Titan Games obstacles as opposed to the Olympic training that you've been going through? Mm, I'd say having my heptathlon background really helped going into that. I didn't change my training at all going into that show. A lot of people did, <laughs> but I just showed up and that's, that's that. Like I was still training uh, for javelin while I was there. We, were, we filmed for two weeks. So the first week I was able to keep to my training program pretty well. Then the next week I was getting more exhausted by the day. So it was hard to keep up with my program. Y'all were in a, what, like, did they have it in a hotel or something during that time? We lived in a hotel for 20 days. Hotel for 20 days. Okay. Yeah. And you had your, your mom and, and Otto. My mom you, right? and yeah, my mom came and helped with my son. That was a blessing because my husband was on lockdown and 
and yeah, couldn't get away. <laughs> what when we watch, you know, the the obstacles that you were doing, like you did launch pad, Herculean pull, okay. all the what was the the time in between those events, like real time? So let's see. The I competed against Alexis first in three events. So day one we did two events. So and then the day the next morning we did our third time competing against each other. And then, so, and then the way the um, Mount Olympus was broken up, we, I was supposed to run Mount Olympus three times in one day. And then they just clipped that to the end of every Monday night. (laughs) That was exhausting. What in the world did that do to your body running Mount Olympus three times? In one day. Yeah. I mean, I looked at it like a heptathlon. It was, I mean, it's almost kind of less work than a heptathlon. I was just competing for well less than five minutes going through that obstacle course completely and then I recover and do it again <laughs> it's pretty interesting you say that like the heptathlon got you prepared for that because there were a lot of other athletes on there that played like one sport and it, they seemed to struggle with it a lot more than than you did yeah I would I mean obviously I got um hooked up on the log carry thing when I had to connect or latch it on but I did think I was going to have troubles with that going in just because of the, the weight of it, but that wasn't obviously the issue. And then, yeah, I mean, everything else was kind of fun. I didn't, I didn't really enjoy that little wheelie thing in the center of Mount Olympus. That was kind of like, mm. I felt like that was like wasted time. That's like the big wheel you had to kind of turn. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like it could have been a cooler little, little thing in the middle. I don't know. I'm not the producer. I'll, I'll hit up DJ on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Change that one up a little bit. I'm super curious. I'll hit up D Wayne too. And let him ask. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, we can all do it and it should work out then. I'm curious. Okay. You seem very calm and you know, what's really hearing your story. It sounds like you just take one thing at a time. So maybe the heptathlon and Titan games is like suited for you, but like, I'm curious, are you always just this calm? Uh, through the events like I'm watching you go against Clarissa Shields right on Titan Gate and you're obviously destroying it but you obviously want to like be three miles 10 miles ahead of her right but what's going through your mind for each event are you like oh have this next event do you have this inner voice in you that's like different than your outside appearance is there something that's driving you what what's going yeah yeah 100% there's that inner voice I'd say I'm more yeah, I'm fired up on the inside about things like that. <laughs> More so angry as well. Like going into the first event, I lost the first uh, my first competition against Alexis. And that like taught me how to prepare for the next next several competitions. I was like, okay, this is the mentality it takes. And this is the physical abilities it's going to take to win the next one, the next one, the next one. So that... The biggest thing going into every competition was just like rehearsing every movement I need to do, every mindset that I might come across through the midst of the whole competition or preparing for and then in between. So yeah, I'd say I'm, I'm very self-driven, intri- intrinsically driven. So there's a lot always going on in my head, <laughs> but I am very chill in real life too. But like going against Clarissa Shields, I was super nervous, but I just kept going through each part of Mount Olympus and how I had to get through it. And then 
I was prepared. I was like, okay, so she is a boxer. She's got good endurance. She's got good strength. You need to be prepared for that. Like, I, I thought she was going to be a lot better competition. We've talked about this. Her and I, we're cool now. <laughs> she actually wanted to, like, she's like, hey, I need a rematch in the boxing ring. I'm like, mm, that's not going to happen. That's not fair. <laughs> but yeah, I was super nervous going against her. And so I told myself to get out as fast as possible and just get through it as fast as possible. And that's what I did. <laughs> what, what kind of music do you listen to to get amped up? Oh, it's different day to day. I'll, some days I have what, three days grace, pain, that song. And then some days it's just R&B that I need to listen to, especially with what I'm focusing on throughout that workout. If I'm sprinting, then I can listen to a little more lackadaisical, whatever I want to listen to type of thing. Like it can be up tempo or low tempo. And then like when I'm getting into technique, I like to listen to something slower so I'm not rushing through all the positions that I'm trying to hit with the javelin. What was the, uh, that one obstacle on Titan games that you're like, well, two part question. The one that you're like, I would love to do that one all over again. And then the one you're like, if I never see uh, the log lift or resistance ever again, <laughs> what is that one you just would, would do away with? Um, I, I really like the launch pad. That was fun. It went super fast. Like Alexis and I didn't, we thought that was normal. And then we watched the rest of everybody else compete and we're like, they're really slow at it. Like we were really good. <laughs> so I would probably do that again. It was fun. And then that um, Herculean pull, that's brutal. You can't see your competitor. So it's just, it's like a fight against yourself mentally. It's like, cause I want to give up so many times. I was like, how has she not beat me yet? I'm just hanging on. I'm like, just finish me. <laughs> but she ended up, I, she's a physique person. Like she trains for physique competitions. And so I just don't think she had the muscle endurance that I had to stay in it long enough. Cause she fell off and her muscles were just like, we're done. <laughs> that, that is the one that when I watch the show, I'm like, Oh, like my muscles get tired looking at that yeah. one. And, and I'm, I've always told my wife, I'm like, I wonder how I do on this one. I wonder how I do on that. That's the one where I see like pure and arms are all red on everybody. And yeah, that one just looks really tough. How'd you feel when you first won Mount Olympus and uh, you got the cool like effects of the lightning bolts going through, you had the javelin with lightning going through it. Uh, How did that feel actually conquering a beast like Mount Olympus? Yeah, it was, it was good. It was a cool feeling to, get put into the black uniform. And like you said, the lightning, that was the only thing that I wanted them to send me afterwards. It's like, I need this clip of me with the lightning and the javelin. (laughs) So yeah, just being able to get to the black Jersey versus the other colors. It was cool. Yeah. That would be like my Facebook cover photo for the rest (laughs) of my life. If, if I had that. I don't Um, know. I still, uh, put the Olympics over. Oh yeah. never mind. Never mind. Olympics. (laughs) That'd be my Instagram photo. Is the Titan Games. (laughs) You ended up, you went to the regional finals. So you'd won Mount Olympus and then you went episode two, that log lift. I have on my notes, don't talk about log lift. (laughs) So you you go to the regional finals and you actually, you won the first event. And I think that was the one with the hammer down. Oh, that was super fun too. 
That yeah. one looks fun. Okay, take back Launchpad. That was my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one looked like a lot of fun. You you yeah. won that one, and then Jamie Seaman, right? She yeah. went to Nebraska as well. They did. Yep. Okay, so yeah, and then that was Resistance. What was just going through your mind during that Resistance one? Because that was the one. That's where I said I could tell the competitor in you when when that uh, one was over with. At that point, I was running on fumes. I was like, I need food. I need sleep. <laughs> but I have to finish this competition. Here I am. Give it your all. And my all was like this. I, I didn't have anything else to give. And then later on, people were like, that wasn't fair. She's weighs more. That's all it took. I was like, oh, you're right. Like that wasn't fair. I was, like the weight difference had to be more even, but I couldn't toss those barrels out for crap anyways. <laughs> it looked like it was, it was super draining when, yeah. when you were on there, my, my family, we were watching you just out the get go of Mount Olympus. And I was like, she's going up against Clarissa Shields. This is going to be really tough. And you were like, bam, right out the get go and jumping <laughs> over the hurdles. And it was just, it's amazing. If, if anyone listening has, has not gone on there, has not seen Titan games or has not seen her performance on there, definitely go ahead and, and check those out. It, it'll definitely pump you up to go out and, and increase your workout the next day. Would you do if, if they had like an all-star season? Would you, would you go back for it? Um, if they paid me. Okay. <laughs> Answer that one. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> What's next for you? Um, training right now for to make the 2021 Olympic team now. That was hard having it pushed back a year, but it was also a blessing in disguise for me. Um, another year for me to learn more about javelin because there's women I'm competing against that this is all they've been doing for the past decade of their lives so I need I'm playing catch-up essentially in some aspects but yep train for that I'm also getting my real estate license I don't really want to like sell sell I just want to be able to buy and sell my own property um, after flipping it type of thing so I've always loved that and then yep like we said coach someday but obviously taking care of my son and training for the Olympics are priority right there so you said it was a blessing in disguise. We were going to ask about like COVID. What have you changed about your training now that you have that extra year to kind of get that under your belt? Yeah, I, so I started track season last March. I had one, I say one and a half meets because the first meet, I didn't know it was a grass runway and the grass was also very saturated from rain the night before. So that wasn't conducive for planting and javelin. So I just left there after like practice throws but so I had one and a half meets and I was very anxious going to those meets I was like you have to throw the standard to get to Olympic trials today so go get after it and then I would fail myself by not throwing that and be really down and out and I'm like oh my gosh you have to be you like you have to have this by like today yesterday but trials are not till June, the end of June and it's March and I'm already freaking out. So I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't really like at ease with everything I'd done. I was, it was almost like I'd get to the track meet and everything I'd done in the past just left my head. And I was just like reverting back to old habits and it was just bad. Um, so I felt, I feel um, at ease now, just, knowing that I have more time to become better and I take full advantage every single day that I go out and throw. I'm throwing twice a week right now. So 
it's it's good yeah like i said i'm really happy to have this year and i like my coach i sent him video and he's like just amazing how far my throw has come from just like a year ago so it's good i don't think there's going to be any event that i'll probably be watching more closely than javelin yeah. throwing in, in 2021 <laughs> i think that would just be super cool the balance like most people out there they work you know just like a, a nine to five job they also have family you are training for the olympics mm-hmm. and your husband is a pilot living the military life how in the world do you balance working out with family yeah i'd say that that whole schedule is always evolving. Um, right now it's, it's great because he's in between courses. So he's been home for, well, he has PT in the morning and then he's free the rest of the day. So very helpful, (laughs) but usually it's, it's like next Wednesday, he's going to be going back to class. It's going to be him gone from like seven to four possibly. So that might entail, like I've already mentioned to him, me going and training at like 5am and then him leaving. And then when my son takes a nap, that's another opportunity for me to take care of the lifting portion of my workout. Or if it's a different day, then I can do my recovery portion. And then throughout that whole day, I'm, I also have to have a presence on social media because I get like more opportunities there for sponsorships or, or paid opportunities there. And then checking my emails throughout the day too. And then we come together for dinner and take care of my son at night and do it all over again. That is, yeah, that, that sounds like a, a very, very hectic schedule. Even like, I thought it was cool when you were, uh, when we had reached out to you about doing this. So like, do you need me to shift my, my workout? I was like, no, you were not, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> uh, how do you like the, the garage gym life? Oh, I love it. It's, it's so conducive to this, this, schedule that we never know what it's going to be like I can just like if he's sleeping like I said I can just pop in the garage and do my lift and if I if he wakes up then I'm right here to go get him like we're saving money by not having a sitter in that aspect so I love it I love it so much I'm trying to build it out some more trying to get a like a woodway runner in there and then I need a bike too and then I'll be uh, sort of happy almost happy (laughs) it'll be something else after that yeah (laughs) So Batista and I both, so that's pretty cool. We're, we're all three. Now we got something in common. We're all three garage gym owners. Oh, yeah. um, when the, the pandemic kicked off, I started my own and it, then it went to another piece of equipment and another yep. piece of equipment. Yeah. Now I don't even want to step foot in a, yeah. a, a gym somewhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's amazing workouts. Right. You can, I blast my own music in the garage and don't have to wear my headphones or worry about anybody else in there like my husband comes in and works out too but it usually not <laughs> you have anything for auto in there for me i because he just turned two right you said mm-hmm. yeah ezekiel he's like super smart super nice and like very active so i bought mats and i'm about to put a rock climbing wall do you have anything oh, cool. in there? yeah auto in your gym no right now i just have this little wagon that i take him on walks in and so i'll sit him in there and have him eat snacks <laughs> it's literally to be like boom and then all of a sudden they want to run on the treadmill too yeah. 
<laughs> but he always looks so like well behaved in all the videos and running with you. He yeah. does, but that's not the case. That's, that's probably <laughs> like when a teacher says like your kid is a sweetheart and you're like, really? My kid? Same person? Yeah. <laughs> so outside of, you know, training for the Olympics, getting ready for that, you know, as we kind of wrap this up, what do you at the end of the day when, cause your name is going to be in books you know, hundreds of years from now, when it says Shante McMillan was competing in the Olympics doing this, what do you want to be known for when somebody mentions your name 75 years from now? I guess something I always, like, always on my mind is how can I leave this world better whenever I leave? <clears throat> so anything with that is around that from giving whenever I have money someday I would love to give back in some way like my goal is to build a new track in my hometown of Rolla Missouri and name it after my high school coach like that's huge on my to-do list before I leave this world <laughs> but like any causes that I'm big in to um, I mean obviously military has always been a big part of my life so I hope to give in that area give in I don't know, anything with animals, of course, and <laughs> just, just, I just want to, like I said, leave this place better, I guess. I don't know. That's it. <laughs> so, uh, and talk real quick about like with Olympic act athletes, you know, it's, it's mainly endorsements, things like that. Is there any way like a listener out there can support your journey to Tokyo? Yeah. So right now I'm actually in the middle of starting my own nonprofit and hopefully they can I can obviously I'm going to keep everybody up to date when that is going and they can donate to that and we can do something on later on with that money that's been donated and then I'm always looking for donations <laughs> sponsorships um, any companies that want to work with me that are I guess our missions align well together like that's that's really big for me. I don't just work with Joe Schmo because they have a great product. Like I have to believe in them and they have to believe in me. Mm. Um, so yeah, any companies out there that want to work with me, that'd be really helpful. And sponsorships, like you said, that's, that's how I make a living right now or, or for sponsorships going into this next year. And I'm honestly so tired of living like that. <laughs> And I'd never really thought about it that way. And I think it was my wife had brought it up to me and she was like, they're endorsements, endorsements, yeah. sponsors, things like that. If, if somebody is listening to this and they want to follow you, like Instagram. Yep. Instagram is where I'm most active. I have a blog, but I barely blog and I'm trying to do that. I just talked to my husband. I was like, I need to do this. He's like, yeah, why don't you do it every Sunday? I was like, I'm going to do it every Sunday. Yeah. So this Sunday, we're going to have a new blog out. <laughs> so, and then my website, like I told you, I run my own website. So that's where, if there's any updates, I'll have my track schedule up there. Once I have put that together for the following season, once we know more, obviously with COVID going on, but yeah, looking forward to training, training until March when season starts and then making the Olympic trials in the end of June. Nice. Yeah. So I'm definitely looking forward to, to that. I bet the anticipation is probably rising as it gets closer for you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> being pushed back a year is like, Oh, come back down. <laughs> now we're, it's like I said, chill mode. And then, yeah, it's, 
it's so fun. It's just crazy training for it. Yeah. And if you haven't checked her out on Instagram, definitely check it out. She's, she's got all kinds of workout videos from the garage, from out of the track. Um, always has, you know, most time has, has Otto right there with you. Um, there was a, a pretty good one. I liked the other day of him running out there with you on the track and stuff. So yeah, it's a really good way to, to keep up with what she's doing on her quest to Tokyo for two truths and a lie. We hadn't, we hadn't forgot oh, about you with that. Oh my goodness. Mm, now you're on the okay. spot. Now you're on the spot. I know two truths and why I want to drive in NASCAR. I want to, I want to own a mini farm. <laughs> I, you can think of Batista. For I this, want a neck tattoo. Okay. It's truths are definitely the neck tattoo after Tokyo and the farm. No, I'm going to say you want to do NASCAR, NASCAR and the farm neck tattoos, probably lies as cool as I think it would be. I don't think your husband would be on board with it. Batista, you agree with that? Yeah, I concur. Yep. Bingo. <laughs> See, that, was, that wasn't so bad. That wasn't so bad. It took me a while, but yeah, I don't want to drive fast. It looks so cool. <laughs> that, that would be fun. That would, all yeah. I got to do is, well, you said you're in Germany. We got auto bonds. I'm going to, I'm going to get on a racetrack. I promise you. I, I don't doubt you. I don't doubt you with your, with your track record thus far. So ma'am, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for taking time to do this. Uh, Batista, you got any parting words? No, it was uh, fun. I'm glad that you were my uh, first podcast that I got to do. Good luck with everything and your journey. Um, it's nice to meet someone as humble as you, as calm as you. You have a great spirit. You sounds like you're a great mom to Otto, a great wife. Thank you for being patient for your husband. At times you can be patient when you're in the military, right? Probably get that. So good luck to him on uh, being, becoming a helicopter pilot. And uh, one thing we're talking about is uh, doing workouts with some of our guests. Hmm. Uh, so that probably might happen one day. Okay, especially okay. we were talking off, offline about you moving to Washington. Maybe yep. we could do something at Stadium High School, or maybe you can come out to Vegas and you can you can experience Extreme Couture or Syndicate yeah. with me do that MMA stuff. There so, we go. And then we can get ready for Clarissa Shields, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, thank you, ma'am, for your time. Uh, everybody go out there, check out her uh, Instagram page, give it a like, definitely follow her on and, you know, support her on her quest to, to Tokyo. So follow us on Instagram, check us out on Facebook. But that is going to conclude this episode. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs>